cold open question to start this edition of the Just Basketball Show. Wes Goldberg, you're answering this first. You're on the hot seat. Mm. If you're Tom Thibodeau, who is your Taj, Taj Gibson? Who are you? Who is a player you just can't keep signing and keeping around you no matter how long it's been? Uh, <laughs> that's such a great question. Oh, man. Um, why is the first player that comes to mind Ish Smith? Because everybody's done uh, it. Taj yeah. Gibson. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's My answer, not necessarily a unique take, but that's all, I'll go with that, I guess. I mean, yours has to be Udonis Haslam, I feel like, really. But he didn't bounce He's around. He's not playing he anymore. Can I, can I one pick? Place. If I could pick, you can pick whoever. I'm picking someone. I'll, I'll just give my answer. My guy most recently is is spending his time building Grand Theft Auto servers and internet with Discord communities. It is Heat legend, Cavs legend, Philly's own, Cheese, Dion Waiters. Is that what he's doing? Can't quit him. Yes. Can I get? I follow him. I, get, I, I follow him on Instagram still for that reason. I'm I'm gonna take Woody Harrelson in the first White Boys Can't Jump. I just like his vibe. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good locker room presence. You, you saved the Ish Smith there. I, I I think you 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 uh you found a landing spot. I will say mine would be as a homer pick. I'm going Leandro Barbosa. I feel like he uh he had a, a last gasp. He's on the coaching staff in Sacramento, but he's the perfect. Everybody loves him. I still think he could probably get 12 because I don't think anybody could stay in front of him, even in like age 40 or whatever, 45 he probably is at this point. So that's my answer. He's my Taj. The Warriors had Leandro Barbosa in their front office for a little bit. And I remember asking Steve Kerr uh, if they would ever potentially sign him. And they said, if we get to a situation where we're that injured and you get like that little injured player exception, they have had they had had at that point conversations with Barbosa about we might just make you the guy for like a couple of weeks. He's only forty one, and if uh, Keon Ellis Again. hadn't come along in Sacramento the past couple of weeks, I feel like they might have given him a a contract as well. Yeah, he's he's he could get buckets. I, I believe it. I think Dan Waiters can still get buckets too. But let's dive into today's episode of the Just Basketball Show. Welcome into the Just Basketball Show. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. This is your twice weekly NBA, WNBA, all things basketball podcast. We have a great episode coming up today. We're going to start with Lowry Markin and trades and then state of the Western Conference. We have a great guest for today's show. Wes Goldberg, Locked on Heat, his Substack, other great places. All you can heat over at Fansided. Before we get into Lowry trades and get to Wes, I want to tell you about Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a player prop DFS platform where you pick more or less across multiple sports, including the NBA and NFL. Sign up today. Our code, Just Basketball and Thrive, will match your first deposit up to $250. Now, guys, let's start with Lowry Trades because there's two parts of this that I find very funny. Number one, that they're looking for Mitchell and Gobert-level returns is the reporting that is out there on that and and how you define that and what that means, I think, complicates if they're actually going to trade him at this deadline because... I don't know if anyone's rushing to do that for marketing. And then secondly, I would also say that John Collins has also now been listed on the trade market. And apparently John Collins can't help but just be listed as a possible trade target. But I feel bad for him in that case. But let's start with Lowry trades. 
Wes, do you have a, a landing spot? Do you have a deal that you like if Lowry is, in fact, able to be dealt? So I came up with three different landing spots that I really like. Um, but my favorite one, if uh, to me, Lowry is an interesting player. It's kind of hard to build a trade for him just because he doesn't make a ton of money. So when you're trying to match salary, it's like, okay, you're not really getting a star player back in return that's making 25 to 30 million dollars you're kind of getting like these 18 million dollar players and you can it's kind of you got to start building weird stuff that said i was trying to think what's a team that doesn't really need playmaking because he's not a great playmaker but could use his size and use his shooting and i thought about the miami heat obviously uh as a, and that's my favorite landing spot i the trade's hard but you could kind of put a bunch of players together and then you end up getting matching salary. Miami would get Larry Markin and Chris Dunn and Kelly Olinick on an expiring contract. Utah gets Kyle Larry, Nikola Jovic, and two first round picks. I don't know that that's quite the Gobert Mitchell return, but also, can we just stop kidding around here? Like, Markin's a fine player. He ain't Gobert. He's not Mitchell. Like, let, I understand that Danny Ainge has got to say Danny Ainge things, but it's not happening. It might be like two or three first-round picks, and if you're Miami, that's probably the best offer you could put is two first-round picks and then a first-round pick from a couple years ago who's still really young in Nikolajovic. So Chris can see the notes, and that is almost identical to the package that I put together as my pick, Wes. But I think the I can translate Ainge for you guys if you need me to on this because what he said as far you know what was leaked as far as Mitchell and Gobert caliber packages. That's Danny Ainge for I'm gonna win the trade. That's all that he means. So Chris said at the beginning, like, you know, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like or how feasible it is. It's probably not going to be a a similar caliber of trade, but we have to react the same way we did to both of those trades. And that'll make Danny Ainge, uh, you know, happy. That'll suffice for the Utah front office. And I think I'm in line with U.S. that the number of first round picks. I mean, the Gobert thing is is a once in a generation right. type of trade. I, I don't think that's even reasonable as a starting point. I think Donovan's just better because he can create offense. You mentioned as a playmaker, that's probably not Markinen's game. He's he's probably like as good as you could get as a play finisher, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have that other element. So you're probably you're cutting a, a pick or two just for that reason. So I end up coming down the same place as as you. And I think a couple of, of first round picks, but I think the way that a team could add some more value for the Jazz is to potentially take, um, John you Collins. mentioned Olenek. Yeah, John Collins could be an option there. But uh, I think Taylor Horton Tucker is an expiring, yeah. if, I'm, uh, if I'm looking correctly. So that's not exactly like some sort of saving grace for them, but you at least do them the favor of getting him out of your of their rotation, not forcing them to be the team that pays him the next contract. And I think that could be a, an aspect of this. They have such clean books, though, that it uh, the Jazz on top of marketing and making not a lot of money that it gets it does get a little bit messy. So that that's kind of where we are with the state of things. But I love the heat fit. It's just a, it's an upgrade on the the Myers Leonard, the Kevin Love, the spot that they've kind of always liked to have next to Bam. But it's like the primo A version of that instead of the you know C plus guys they've been rolling out there. You got enough ball handling, enough guys who dribble the ball between Bam, Tyler Hero, and Jimmy Butler. You need a guy who doesn't need to dribble the ball and like you said can just finish a play. And that's Larry Markin, and he can also rebound, provide some size in that front court. There's also a way that I kind of like it, – it's a lot of guys now involved in the trade, but if Miami really needed to try to tip the scales, there's a way that they could include like 
Caleb Martin, Thomas Bryant's small salary. Like you just kind of bunch a bunch of salaries together and you can also take back John Collins in that deal. And I've almost tweeted this a couple of times. Is it possible that the Jazz overpaid for John Collins? I know <laughs> yeah, they traded nothing. They wanted, they, well, they want to trade him already. So like, yeah, they probably did. If you want to trade someone you got four months ago or whatever, you probably overpaid for someone that you don't even actually want. What was it like a conditional second round pick or something that they traded for him? It was like basically Zilch. And Rudy Gay. And Rudy Gay. So nothing. They traded nothing. I didn't even know Rudy Gay was still in the league. So that's great. Um, yeah, I think they overpaid for John Collins. That, that, that said, Brandon, to your point, like that's the only thing that's sort of messing up their books right now is that salary. So if you if you were trying to tip the scales in your favor uh, in what is probably going to be a competitive trade market, if they really make marketing available here, um, that might be one way to do it. But do you like this deal, Chris? I like this deal. I think you guys picked a very obvious team for this, which I think makes sense. This is the team that has incentive to make some kind of aggressive move. Uh, I may or may not have been texting Weston last week trying <laughs> to be like, so Jaime Jaquez, uh, what can we do for Donovan Mitchell? Untouchable. Also, uh, yeah, sure. You say that now. Is he? Would did, you trade him for Markkinen? No. Is that just crazy? Would you? Is I would not. Who? If if you had to give him up for one person, would it be for Mitchell or would it be for Markkinen? You can't say I wouldn't give him up. No, I would. Give, I know the question. If I have to pick, I would pick Mitchell. I think Larry Markkinen's a good player. I just, I think he's a little overrated now. Is that okay? Mm. Like, I think he's well, a lot I, closer to Michael Porter Jr. than like a like a year to year All Star. The he, thing that, that Markkanen has that puts him over that t- for me is that in Utah the past year and a half, he has added a level of like force and power to his game that, that just hadn't been there before that makes him a different kind of player than he was before. I mean, he shot... at the rim last year, 78 this year, and he had never been above 65 prior to that. Um, And he's getting to the rim more. He is drawing more fouls than he ever did in his other stops. Like he, he has just turned into a guy that remembered he's seven feet tall since getting to the jazz that to me would add another element. You're not just getting like Davis Bertans, but better. You know what I mean? You're getting like a legitimate three level guy in a way that when the Cavs gave him up. They had no idea that they were getting rid of that, and, and he really wasn't that. Now he is. Yeah, the free throw attempt rate going just skyrocketing since he's gotten to Utah is, is a plus. The fact that they've been asking him to become more of a playmaker and it just isn't happening is my worry. It's just like, hey, the Jazz want you to be it, but you just don't have it in the bag. It's just not going to happen for him. So I, I, he's a better player than Michael Porter Jr. I didn't mean to be insulting, but I also don't think that this is a guy that's sort of like a perennial all-star, which is kind of the way that I feel like he's talked about. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a top 50 player, top 60 player in the NBA. But yeah, I think just this idea that he's going to just get you like the, the Mitch, it's not going to be a, I don't, it's, it's sort of a sweepstakes to me. I think there's teams that could use Larry marketing, but if they don't get him, I think it's just like, all right, we didn't get him. All right. Speaking of Davis Bertans, this is a great transition to my trade. The Oklahoma city thunder. Let's do, let's, let's do some business. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make up the first a time in a long time. Yeah, let's make a Lowry Chet front court, and I think the construction here is pretty simple. I this is Brent. This may catch Brendan off guard because I've been sort of an advocate of not rushing to break up the the creators they have. But let's do Josh Giddy, Dav, Davis Bertans, and let's say two picks, and maybe a third one with some protections for Lowry Market and the Jazz get the big Uber creator. They get Bertans salary for fun. Lowry marketing goes to a pretty perfect situation for him, I think. If you're putting him next to Shea, putting him next to J Dub, him and Chet as a front court, I think is a ton of fun. They, tons of spacing. 
it doesn't and it you putting him a shea you're putting him in that ecosystem the need for him to be a really plus creator just isn't there and it allows him to play to all of his strengths as a player I think the Thunder, and I think this would make the, the raise the Thunder ceiling. I think they've been awesome this year. I understand there's some, co- like, either way, this is going to kind of put the dollar um, in your future a little bit higher, just considering Giddy would have to get paid too, but Market only has the two years left on his deal. Like, you're kind of going to pay him in this case. But I just love the fit of him with Shea. I love the fit of him with Chet. I love the fit of him in that ecosystem, and it's something that covers for him and also gives the Thunder, I think, something they need, which is another a bigger bodied front court shooter type that I think could really fit with that team and, and keep helping that team evolve. I just, the Thunder to me are the most fun team for most any trade, but Lowry, I think is a particularly fun one. Yep. I, I, the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The fit to me is just, it's almost like what you would be paying him versus paying for him. And then eventually literally paying him versus what you would be asking him to do. I feel like there's, I, I haven't gotten over the finish line with the Thunder fit yet for that reason because I'm of the opinion as we'll get to in the Western Conference check-in that we're doing today that like the Thunder are much closer than needing a Lowry Markkinen and so if you get him sure why not they have all the assets in the world I'm not going to say no to a trade that makes the team better but I kind of think that they sort of just need they just need a Michael Porter Jr. type right? Whereas Markkanen can do more, you're going to have to give up enough to satisfy the Jazz because he can do more, and then you're going to kind of ask him to be a spot-up guy. So I just think Oklahoma City is such a finely-tuned machine, and their needs are are pretty incremental versus a big, big move like this, even though because they have all these assets, they're obviously the team we're always going to think of. They might have just skipped that whole part, and I don't know what they'll use those picks for, but I wouldn't necessarily throw them at Markkanen just because they can, I guess, is how I see it. Yeah, I think the fit's really interesting. I kind of thought about OKC. I did the, basically the same trade as you, Chris. I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is kind of the one that makes sense. And then I was like, I don't know if this does it for me if I'm the Thunder. Like, I, I kind of like the fact that I can at least theoretically put five when my f- best five are out there. I've got five plus defenders who are all switchable, who can all handle the ball. And that's kind of the identity that I've cultivated now. And Lowry falls short in the ball handling part department and in the defensive department. And I think I would be looking for more of like a souped up J-Dub to just sort of pair next to J-Dub maybe in that in that circumstance. Also, uh, I don't think that Sam Presti, I think he should go all in. I think he should make a move, whether it's for an incremental move or just a big move and go for it. I don't think we'll see it. I think he's being maybe a little bit too patient. I would just say go for it. Um, we have yet to see him actually put a championship team together. And I would like to, and that's probably what cost them when it was Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook and James Harden together. He was like, ah, let's just stay patient. And then the whole team, uh, disintegrated. I would like to just go for it, but I, we've yet to see it here. Um, to me, what the thunder need is, is like buddy healed. Mm. Like it, they, that, that's kind of the, the piecemeal that I would be looking for more. So I guess it sounds crazy to to say don't go for the home run swing if there's a player out there. Yeah, you're. But I just feel like they are such a okay. But I mean, I I don't think I am because what does that come at the expense of an MVP candidate who's playing point guard for you? Does that come at the expense of your potential like All NBA center who's already like getting uh, more blocks than some players get in their career every night? It seems like like I do think that there is a sort of it's a zero sum game. And if you're bringing somebody in who's done a lot in another place, even though you can acquire that player, 
this team is on pace to win 50 plus games and they have none of what we're talking about. So what do you really need to get them from that to a championship? Is it a Lowry Markinen size piece or in my opinion, it might just be like a Buddy Heald size piece. I, I know like that sounds dumb, but it is what it is. They're good. They're good go already. Get, go get an experienced shooter who can do it in the playoffs to come off the bench and a big man. Just go get like a big. It doesn't have to be you don't have to make the big, big man swing. Just go find a guy that's making five, six million dollars a year who's seven feet tall. Like go trade for Andre Drummond. Like just do that. Sure. Just that, grab that. At least, least for now. That's, yeah. Here's like, here's here's all here's all I'll say that I that I think is where we we ultimately disagree on this. I think there is a benefit if you're building a team to even if there are some is some overlap, even if there is you're wondering if you you're getting someone who's overqualified for a role. I would rather go down that route, especially when you have the assets to do it. When you're in a position of strength in terms of assets where you could give two, three first round picks and still have other stuff to do if you really wanted to, you're giving yourself just a little more cover, a guy that I think can give you some more diversification in your offense if you need it when the playoffs comes, that can kind of take some of the pressure off Shea to have to to, to, to be iso ball at someone's to be asked you, particularly if you are going to trade Giddy. I just think this is something that helps you evolve and gives you more cover to be a little more diversified, even if marketing is overqualified, even if this is expanding sure. the role a little bit. I do just think there's value in saying, I don't want to settle. I don't like, I'm like, I don't, if I'm trading for Andre Drummond and like Dorian Finney Smith, like that's fine, whatever. <laughs> just, just let, let's aim a little higher for a team that I think could set itself up in a really great way. And I just, you're just, you, ha- I would rather spend the assets on also just frankly something fun. Let me buy the Maserati or like, Whatever the whatever car marketing is, I'm not a big right. car guy. I don't think he's quite a Maserati, but like, I don't want to buy it. What's a what's big in Finland? What what are they driving over there? Probably probably like a like a like an e like some kind of like yeah e, like electric car. I would guess There's it's probably like it's Polestar. some northern European Tesla competitor that we that we haven't heard of. The right. Toyota Corolla want, is the most popular car in Finland. Okay, I don't okay. want to buy a Toyota so Corolla. A Corolla. <laughs> I don't, okay, I want to buy the the nicest Toyota Corolla I could possibly can buy. I don't want to buy the, the floor mats yeah. and all that stuff. I don't want yeah. I don't want the used I don't want the used model that still that I have to get a tape to plug in to get my like phone to play or like crank the windows down by hand. Just give me the one with all the nice features, and if I overpaid for a little bit, whatever, I have the ability to stomach the overpay. They're the to, one team that go- can really do that. They are. I mean, the Jazz probably can too, but we're talking yeah, about them selling. The, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, they wouldn't. They're not in that point. But I'm just saying the Jazz are up there in terms of assets, I guess, too. If if and when they wanted to go all in on somebody, and they may have almost done that on Lillard and, and Holiday, so they're in there too. But uh, yeah, big picture. Last thing I would say on the Thunder is, uh, you said you would surprise me, Chris, with what you said about wanting them to be aggressive after maybe not wanting that. Uh, the guy who you didn't want them to be aggressive moving was Josh Giddy, and it would be a humongous sell low to trade him right now also because uh, yeah. not not really the off-court stuff, but he's playing awfully. He's just playing not, not well at all for them. He's getting benched at the end of these games. So if you were to say now is the time to cash in on, on whatever that trade is ultimately going to be, you're probably getting less than you would maybe by the end of the season into the offseason or even down the line further than that when he might be a more developed version of himself and have more appeal to other teams. Right now, he's a dude who cannot score the ball, doesn't play awesome defense, and gets booed every time he touches it on, in every road court in the league. That's a weird player to acquire if I'm the Jazz or anybody else uh, in, in December 2023. Can I give you guys three other trade pitches and just like elevate pitch them? All right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Larry Markin into the Raptors for OG Ananobi straight up. Solves a lot of problems for both teams. Just an idea. OJ's a free agent. Dan- After the year, Dan- you don't have to deal with it. Danny Ainge uh, is asking then for 900 picks for another team who wants OG and Oh, yeah, no, these are the two front offices that are just like, wait, no, you owe us the pick. No, we owe, no we'll get – and then they, they don't do it, and then they leak it to the media. It's like, we got really close, but they didn't meet our price. And it's like, well, who yeah. do you need whose price? Uh, Lowry to the Spurs for Keldon Johnson. Maybe throw a pick in there. That Double would be fun. Yeah, Lowry like and Vic is yeah, – Lowry and Vic. That's, that's so, exactly what I want. Yeah. Keldon Johnson, I like him uh, for Utah. Just some size on the wing, whatever. It's fine. Uh, last one, Larry Market into the Philadelphia 76ers for Marcus Morris Sr.'s expiring. The nice young player of K.J. Martin, who appears to be a fan of every front office. Uh, and then, uh, and then no three first-round picks. Three first-round picks. Just throw them in there. They're the other team that can overpay with all their picks that they have. And uh, Larry in Philadelphia spacing the floor for Embiid and Maxi. Yeah, I, like, I, really like I, I really like that. Yeah. I'm really mad that you didn't like that wasn't your actual one because I like that one better than any one. No, no, because the first one got him to the Miami Heat, you see. So that's the better one. (laughs) Yeah. Marketing next to a defensive center is important, though. And it's part of why the Kessler fit is so good until Kessler Mm -hmm. started playing not well in his second season and has had injuries and everything this year. But. Markkanen is big. I think he's a good one-on-one defender. He can handle physical players. He can handle long players because of his size. But he's not like a secondary rim protector, turnover forcer type of guy. So I think he's a good positional defender, but you need a a real rim protector, a real defensive anchor next to him. So that's why I like Spurs, Philly, Heat, whatever. Those are all good. So uh, last last team on throughout, um, redo the Donovan Mitchell trade. Donovan Mitchell back to Utah. <laughs> the Cavs get Larry Markkinen and some picks back. <laughs> Just redo them. Lowry's a great fit next to Mobley. I you know wonder if they realize that. I, I was literally going through the list of teams, and I'm like, you know who could really use Larry Marketing? Mm-hmm. It's clear. Oh, wait. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did the same thing uh, for Chicago, I, by the way. And I was like, oh, wait. Yep. Yeah, here's the thing about the Bulls, though. The Bulls need to just, like, burn it down to the ground. I'm just, the the more and more that, like, I'm seeing, like, I the more and more I keep seeing, like, Bulls, like, Insta-fan Instagram accounts being, like, you know, Kobe White's playing in an all-star level. I'm like, we got to just burn this franchise to the ground. Like, at all costs, we need we need to burn it down, and it'll just be Alex Caruso stepping out of the flames as the, the building blows up behind him because he's apparently untouchable. He's an the all-star Phoenix quarter that the rebuilt the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, Alex Caruso. Look captain of the the good ball guys in the nba so I, that's that's my guy right there all right let's go on to state of the western conference categories if you didn't check in our state of the east with brad Rowland, we're going to do best team conference mvp team we're high on most disappointing team and then wild prediction based on what we've seen so far let's start with best team and i just want to start this by admitting that what i'm about to say is something of a troll job I'm not even trying to deny that what I'm about to say is something I wholeheartedly believe, but I want it to be different. I want it to bring a team to the conversation that I think merits some discussion, and that is your Minnesota Timberwolves not caring. I Not that I don't care, but I'm not here to talk about Anthony Edwards text messages. We're here to talk about the basketball team in this specific case. Leave it at that. Make the case. This team, unreal on defense, has the league's best defense. I think is just is a pain in the ass to play. Ant is him. The Gobert, the Gobert cat pairing, I think, is working in a better way than it did in the limited sample we saw before. The offense, I think, is respectable. And if there's reasons to me to think that this team could be, let's just say, more than, let's say, a West version of what the Cavs were last year to some degree, I think they have more shooting. I think they have big perimeter defenders in a way Cleveland just does not. They have Ant as a bigger, trust more, I think, just 
a little bit of a different kind of level of, of guy than what Cleveland ultimately seemed to have last year. I also like Chris Finch as an offensive coach. I like what he is going to design. I like what he's going to build for them. So do I necessarily believe that this team is actually the best? I'm not sure that I do, but the numbers are there. They've held it up all year. And there's there's a chance that this team is is quite actually really good and built for something here. And I think they've, to some degree, been under-discussed. And I just want a little bit of respect on the Minnesota Timberwolves name here. Nothing but respect coming from me, man. I was at the game last night. They were in Miami. They came back from 17 points down in the first half, locked up the heat in the second half. Anthony Edwards, 10 points in the fourth quarter, including the turnaround jumper that basically iced the game for the Timberwolves. That team is legit. They are impossible to score on. They're the number one defense in the league by defensive rating. Also, terrifyingly, allowing 89 points per 100 possessions in the half court defensively. Unreal. Unreal. Ridiculous. That's unreal. That's not you're not. That's not scoring. That's basically not scoring. They're they're, you're, you're, they're they're putting they're putting teams in prison like night to night. It's just like, OK, yeah. sucks. You're not going to have any room to breathe. Like we've talked a lot on this show about how good the Orlando Magic defense is. This is like a whole other level of just like I, that team must suck to play against. Night they're also getting it done against the best teams in the league. Here's their record against Boston, Denver, Philadelphia, Oklahoma City and Dallas. Five and oh. They're 5-0 against those teams. They're getting it done against the best teams in the league. Uh, Chris, I love that you brought them up. I I love the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm all in. I was all in last year after the Gobert trade. I thought they gave up way too much, but I'm like, I like the team on paper, and we're kind of ignoring the team based on what it is that they gave up for the team. I And then we never really get to, got to see it because of injuries and stuff like that. But Anthony Edwards has made a leap post-Team uh, USA leap, which historically is always important. And then Gobert and Towns are actually playing well together. I like a lot of what they're doing. I do have some questions, but I, not really huge ones. They profile, you look at like statistically their profile, they profile as a championship contender. We just don't really think of them as a championship con- uh, contender because they're the Timberwolves, and they've never really been a championship contender. But if you really look at this team, they're they're legit. There's two. There's also just the two guys on the team that just real quick, Brendan. The last thing I'll say is there's two guys on the team that I think people don't particularly like in Gobert and Towns, and I think that fact. Like I think there's just older two guys that people want to doubt to some degree. They're the most. Cat, un- they're two of the five most unlikable players in the league. Yep. And but to his credit, Cat I think has been pretty good this year in, in yep. what he's done. Um, I'd like him to take some more threes. But that that's that's some a dial you could turn to kind of to kind of raise the bar there even a little bit more for their offense. I think that uh, there's three things that make the Wolves uh, better this year that I feel more confident. I mean, one, they're deep, and that's why I think a lot of people – that's what I think a lot of people missed even after the Gobert trade is player-wise, they had the depth to do it, and they still are one of the teams you look at kind of one through nine or ten and feel – like there's not a lot of holes. Uh, I think shooting is is one thing that they lack and, you know, it's it's fine. I think Towns may be taking more sure okay, but the town stat that I was going to point to as one of the things I actually think may, has made them better this year, Chris, is he's driving two and a half times more per game than he did last year. His bully ball just physicality forcefulness is uh something we've never really seen. I mean, I think he kind of got there playing center the end of the previous season into the playoffs when they went toe-to-toe with Memphis. Uh, but that was more around the basket, and he obviously had 
a lot more in the way of, uh, you know, brain farts and weird mistakes and fouls. And, and he's been playing cleaner basketball on top of that. I think Jaden McDaniels is evolving into maybe the most one of the more feared defenders in the NBA. Like it is getting to, you know, Revis Island, Richard Sherman Island level of that guy's over there. Screw it. That is not going to be part of how we play offense this possession. That person, that side of the floor is not going to be involved in what we do. He can stop transition he did this against the heat like three times Wes where it was like if he gets back and the ball handler sees him all right it's a half court possession now I'm not trying that you know what I mean and then uh and then it's ant right like it's it's always going to come down to ant his pull-up three is going in 37 percent of the time this year that's huge if that continues he is more of a threat than he was like plain and simple uh the the on the flip side of that though his pull-up two still a problem he gets to that mid-range it doesn't go in quite as much as you would think judging from how high his release is how good his footwork is how confident he plays but that's still a problem for him and the turnovers uh need to go down too but he's He's improving as a passer, the pull-up three, like I mentioned. He's getting there. I don't know if I'm going capital H him yet, Chris. I might go lowercase h. We might have to see where we are, but that team's for real. Um, my answer was Denver. Is that is that boring? I mean, I, I just think the Nuggets are the, still the team that we thought. And That's who I had, by I, the way. I just yeah. I was very excited to hear more about Minnesota. The Nuggets are just, they're still the there. They're, they're really still, good. They're still everything that we wanted them to be. Uh, they're sixth in net rating, 10th in offense, 12th in defense. I think that the the time without Murray, they did not look great. You saw a lot of frustration from Jokic, not a lot of defensive effort from Jokic, uh, a lot of I got to do this shit again from him in terms of scoring. But when he's been healthy and even when he wasn't, I think you have the starting unit is still the best in basketball. You have Christian Brown and Reggie Jackson, who I feel pretty decent about, and enough progress from the other guys that I think they'll get their depth figured out. Their bench was awful last year. They only need to have eight guys I trust, and if they have that by game one of the first round, I'll probably still pick them to win the title. Um, They have the best player in basketball. They still have the belt, and uh, we saw that this team can basically take a full month off at the end of last season, go on a dominant playoff run, and win the NBA Finals and not get that tested the entire way, right? Like, we're talking about big Denver tests, and it was like Minnesota took a game off of them, and they kind of looked okay in that in that first round, and then the Lakers had the most competitive sweep in NBA history. And then the Heat did what they could defensively, but they had no answer for Denver offensively in the finals. So it's like, yeah, I know that they lost Bruce Brown and stuff like that, but they're, they're, still, the, they're still the team with the belt. Um, I think they could turn it on and it just you watch these games. It kind of feels like they're sleepwalking through a lot of them It doesn't feel like they've gone full tilt in a single game yet this season um, But we know like I said that they can turn it on so I still have them as the best team I'm giving them, them the benefit of the doubt because they've earned it But I think the West is really really competitive and who it is that they play in the Western Conference Finals If we wanted to make sort of predictions I don't know there feels like there could be like six different teams that make the Western Conference Finals like it, when you're talking about like the in, inside circle of contenders um for the conference so but yeah i saw the nuggets i think i think they are just so clearly them and it's just like i just felt boring picking them if i'm being honest that's say that's i appreciated the wolves how you make good content that's all yeah the wolves talk was was needed they're the number one seed and i don't think there's another place where we would have talked about them so you did the right thing chris you 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 sacrificed for the good of the content we appreciate that i'm about i'm about to do it again um okay let's hear it so are we we ready for this team you're high on 
I was going to say the Nuggets and Jess. I feel like you're going was, the same place I'm going here, Chris, but go ahead. <laughs> if that's the case, I, I'm very excited for that. Can we talk about the real Lakers of Los Angeles? Oh, I wasn't going there. Okay. Are you going? To, so, the, 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 look. I was sort of going the, there. Close to right, there. If you're off, so, I have an addendum on the team on the end that I'm going to mention. I'm a, are, is your team the Clippers, Wes? It is. Because I, 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 I looked at the numbers yesterday when I was doing some final notes prep, and I was just like, huh. Yeah. Huh. It's a lot What's of going that. on here? So let's, yeah. let's just go to – let's talk about the Clippers because I, I, I am not a James Harden believer. I'm not a believer that this team is actually going to be healthy enough at the end of the day. Like I just – my skeptic brain is just fully mm-hmm. there with them. I don't – I will not believe it that they that they can win something big until they actually do it. I'm, that's just where I am with them. But what is it about them to you that is making them saying, okay, maybe I'm actually a little bit high it's, on them right now? I hate it. I hate that I'm even doing this. <laughs> I, I don't just – I'm going to preempt – I am not a defender of the Clippers. I do not root for the Clippers. I don't ha- care about has, the Clippers. Hawkes for Harden, straight up. Who says no? Um, Pat Riley. It's tough, man. That that's that's a pretty even trade. Um, <laughs> I think. Look, you said you don't believe in Harden. I believe in Kawhi less than I believe in James Harden because the thing about James Harden is all the off the court stuff. He at least plays the basketball games. Sure. I my default setting. With the Clippers is no way. I don't care what it looks like for a couple of weeks at a time. Do it when it matters. Stay healthy for the playoffs. Call me in June. Call me in April. Uh, like I, that's when I want to know about stuff. But man, I can't. I can't watch this team and not think. Are they actually putting it together finally? And did the James Harden trade somehow work? Because Kawhi has never been more efficient. Paul George is playing yeah. a great spot. James Harden is playing awesome right now. Mm. And I hear everybody, hey, it's the honeymoon phase of James Harden. You know how long the honeymoon phase for James Harden usually lasts? One season. You know how long they need James Harden to be good? One season. So I think they'll be okay defensively. I mentioned the Minnesota half-court stats per cleaning the glass. You know who's right behind them? The L.A. freaking Clippers. Okay? They're almost as hard to score against in the half-court as the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't get it i hate it i don't like talking about this team in terms of in in any serious nature but you kind of have to and i hate last, it last last two weeks it's one of these numbers are nuts i just want to point this out they're seven and zero in the last two weeks they have a point differential of plus 20.3 over that time the only team better the philadelphia 76ers who are plus 24 which is absurd in its own right Clippers offense over the last two weeks. First in the league, a offensive rating of 132.8, a defensive rating of 112.5, which is five points better than league average. They made Tyrese Halliburton look human on Monday night. Terrence Mann, mm-hmm. since being introduced to the starting lineup, what are they, 12-3 and three or something like that, since they've added Terrence Mann to the starting lineup? He was the main guy guarding Halliburton in that game. And like I said, made him look human. Actually forced him into turnovers, which I didn't think Halliburton knew how to turn the ball over. Turns out he could. Yeah, only apparently only against teams from Los Angeles. Mm, very good point. And the Bucks. I, I think the the thing with the Clippers defense, that's that's the thing about it, right? Like if you had told me their offense could score that well the day the Harden trade happened, even as I think I was even more down on it than you, Chris. Like I wasn't even hearing any argument for it. I, I thought it it was gonna maybe make them even worse. I, I don't think that's been the case, but if you had told me they would score at a high level, I would have believed that without any debate. I think the question is the defense. The surprise is the defense. And when you look at what they do well on that end, yes, you know, Zubots is in drop coverage, going to be a, a rim deterrent. 
guys like Terrence Mann, we know the energy, the length, the IQ that he plays with. Like he's going to be able to do that to guards like Halliburton. That's not exactly a surprise. I don't as I don't really think of Kawhi or Paul George as like huge difference makers night to night defensively in the regular season anymore. Although I think they've looked good in spurts and they've been playing, which goes a long way there. Opponents are shooting like thirty four percent from three against this team this season, mm-hmm. which is uh, fourth lowest in the NBA. Last year it was like over thirty seven percent. And just in general, most teams that are at the top of the teams don't make threes against us list are going to be lucky more so than dominant or great or schematically, uh, you know, put together differently than everybody else. So that's one indicator that I'm going to look at because there's not a lot of other things when you just look at the stats where you're like, that's what makes the Clippers awesome at defense. Right. Their personnel can do it, but are they are they really stopping people or are they getting a little bit of luck scoring at a high level so teams have to take it out of the net every single time and just averaging out numerically to look really good i still don't watch that team and feel like if they have to get stops enough times to beat the suns or the nuggets offense at those teams peak consistently that they're necessarily going to be able to do that um but as you guys said already a lot of that hinges on Kawhi. And they're going to need to learn how to cover up for for Harden, right? Like in the in a playoff setting, we know what's going to happen with James Harden. He's going to get targeted. He's going to be dragged into pick and roll after pick and roll. Um, also, like if they play the Denver Nuggets, they have no answer for DeAndre Jordan apparently. So who just catches lobs over their entire defense and like they've never seen an alley oop before? I I do wonder about Zubac's athleticism against some of those kinds of centers. All that stuff is totally fair. And that's all I'm going to say because I'm not going to defend the Clippers any more than I already have because I hate that I did it this much. I think I have an even more indefensible answer, an even less defensible answer, which is the New Orleans oh Pelicans. Oh, yeah. What are we doing here, Brendan? What's what's going? Like, who hurt you? Like, like what's well, going on? You know, while people took the opportunity for a week to just call another man fat for content, uh, the team is not as bad as uh, anybody's like analysis would would usually suggest. You know, and I think this is less about. Zion Williamson than it is even though their ceiling is going to be determined by him it's more so the fact that they're pretty flexible in terms of now that they know what their team is and they have seen the two stars play together and play solidly together you know we've tracked the net rating and stuff throughout the season Chris it's been positive most of the year even if it's Mm -hmm. a little clunky still if they want to upgrade from this basis now they can And even after a trade, or if they don't make a trade, the depth, the defensive potential, especially when they play big, especially when Larry Nance is healthy, I just think that they're a lot more well-rounded and balanced and versatile than, than they're given credit for. And I think if they like made it to the second round or something, that would not surprise me. But they're talked about as as kind of a joke and kind of a team with no direction because, you know, they're a small market and they've made a bunch of trades and it's funny to make fun of Zion. So it's more just kind of versus public consensus, which is kind of what we're doing. I mean, it's a team we're high on versus other people. I just think the Pelicans are solid, not a laughing stock. Start bench or cut Herb Jones, Trey Murphy the third, or Dyson Daniels in your personal preference 
area. Well, what's interesting is is actually instead of Dyson, it might be McCollum. Uh, you know, it, really, Oof. but it's not about him. It's just like there's only five spots on the court. You know, they're kind of right. too deep. But I think Herb honestly has to be out there, and. To me, the best the best version of that team is probably a smaller version where you have Nance on the court, you have Herb Jones and the two stars, and then it's really about who's that fifth guy. And so then it comes down to Murphy versus McCollum. And I feel comfortable saying that you can kind of fluctuate that night to night if Zion can handle the ball handling, if, if Ingram can handle the ball handling. But most nights, I might prefer Murphy just because it, it leans into their identity at the biggest possible level and it it makes them even harder to guard with his movement shooting and his size and his high release and attack close out game and everything else like i think that five-man unit is has the potential to be pretty scary i don't think it's played at all because nance went out right when murphy was coming back the pelicans are weird because they have so many players that every like basketball fan loves the Herb Jones, the Trey Murphy, CJ McCollum has been a fan favorite for years. Like they have just so many dudes that people like. And at the very top, they have a guy that is so polarizing in Zion who like, look, like it's not even a fat shaming thing or whatever. He just hasn't been the guy that you'd hope that he would be to this point. And I think that's a fair criticism of what he's been. Yeah. He could go off for 36 points every once in a while, but he's got to do it consistently. And it's so weird because you talk about all the guys below Zion and they're maybe outperforming all those expectations while the guy at the very top is underperforming. So they're a weird team to try to analyze and, and, and kind of form an opinion, which is why I'm surprised you even went with them because I'm still just sort of like TBD. Hands are thrown up. I have no idea. I'll believe it when I see it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're they're one of my teams that I'm watching on League Pass like all the time just because they're so interesting. Yeah, yeah they, don't, they, they don't make a lot of sense because also they're always hurt and that makes it really hard. But I think they're getting healthy and they're good still. And the track record for this team is that they've been good more often than not, even with some of the questions we have about them. So, you know, at the end of the day, Zion's defense, especially, it, it's it's unacceptable. It's it's atrocious. And if if he can't step that up and at least provide some level of, you know, stoppage against big forwards and as a help defender and just looking like he knows what he's doing out there, they're going to get blown apart in the playoffs like they did against the Lakers. But we're a long way away from that. And I think things are trending in the right direction. The other thing I would just say before we 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 move on here is I think they did based on the NBA Cup and Brennan and you and I talked about this. They got treated like they went through like a second round bad playoff loss. Like they got dissected right now in a way that usually happens at a certain point of the year. And I think for me at least that certainly has clouded um, my my thoughts on them a little bit. Just seeing like them get just really picked apart and just also just the way they seem to handle all of that. And then you get Larry Nance like maybe subtweeting his team. Like there's just like a bunch of like very bad playoff loss energy coming out of them. I think coming out of the NBA Cup that to me did not really raise my esteem of them in any real way. Maybe it's That's unfair fair. though. I think it's reasonable. I mean, I think they did get talked about that way, and and Zion as a former number one overall pick who is hyped as the next coming of whoever is always going to be talked about that way. The fact that physically he has struggles is going to get an extra level of like gossip based attention that is not fair in my opinion, but obviously affects his on-court play enough that you can talk about it. And, you know, I think people know that the stakes are really high for that team with, uh, you know, the lack of financial flexibility, the threat of always, are they going to move? They're just, they're fodder for a lot of that stuff. But I guess that's why I brought them up. Like as a basketball team, 
I mean, I, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We don't need to do that. I was kidding. I was kidding. We don't need to do that. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it from Stephen A. Smith's mouth to ours, uh, our ears, maybe the, the, the food scene will struggle down there because of all the, the chef sources he has that are dependent on, uh, on Zion for, for business, it seems. Table shortage, but, no, I think. So. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right. Most disappointing team, Chris? I went with the Warriors. I, I just, the Draymond stuff, which we can talk about, I think has been a massive bummer. It's a real just horrendous look for them. It's Not having him in the way he's played, I think, has been reckless. And it's been just, they're just not very good. Clay has been, I think, a real disappointment. Nothing about this team feels like it is working. None of this team feels like it has upward momentum. I thought this is a team that if things clicked right, you could have them be a title contender. You could have them have another run still in them. And to me, it feels like they need a trade if they're going to do that. Because Curry, I think, has been good enough and like is still playing at a really high level. But this is the team, you look at the numbers, 19th in net rating. They're 16th in offense. They're 14th in defense. They're just like pretty average as far as the numbers go. And nothing really seems easy or calm or to be working for them on any single front. And I, I just expected more out of this group. I thought there would be some fight and some some real life in this group this year, and it just has absolutely not been the case. Yeah, the Warriors stuff is interesting. I guess, like, from a disappointment level, it, it sort of depends on what your expectations were to begin with, and I wasn't super high. I really like the Chris Paul edition, but then, like, in, in general, I wasn't super high on this team. Um, I just thought they were old and they had too many holes and not, they weren't big enough, but they have definitely been disappointing the draymond thing man like i don't know how many i don't know how much you guys have talked about this already but we haven't like, we haven't yet it's just scheduled means we haven't touched on it at all so that we can get into it if you want it it's just so interesting again i covered that team for two years and every time something happened with draymond it was this is the intensity is is this and sometimes it spills over into this other things but we're willing to live with it and you just heard that time and time again and now that you're just not hearing it it says more than anything that they could actually say, right? And so I just think at some point that they realized, you know what? There's a lot of really good defenders in the NBA, and they don't get kicked out of every game. So maybe you could be more like that. You know, I don't think like it's a prerequisite to be really good at defense is to just is to also play with some sort of intensity that borders on flagrant uh, and, and often spills over into flagrant too often. So yeah, I think that that's a tough thing. But also, I don't I don't really I think maybe what the most disappointing thing and I have a different team for my most disappointing team. But what's most disappointing with the Warriors is there's no way out of it. We can play with the trade machine all they want. Nobody's taken Wiggins. Nobody's taken Draymond. I don't like finding a trade for Clay Thompson on the expiring deal. First of all, it has to be worth it to the Warriors. I know he's played like garbage, but he's Clay Thompson. Like you're not just trading him for anything. Right. And so and he's making forty three million dollars. It's not exactly super easily matchable from another team. Like find a Clay Thompson trade that makes sense. It's not easy. Uh, OK, trade Chris Paul's expire. So like pseudo expiring. OK, what's that really getting you here? You know, it got it got the Wizards Jordan pool, which isn't awesome as a return. Uh, OK, some sort of conglomerate of here's a. Lightly used Jonathan Kaminga and a Moses Moody, who we kind of like sometimes and then sometimes don't. And like, do you want Kevon Kevon Looney? Like, that's what we're talking about. Minor moves at best. It's so it's like, it's almost like less than disappointing. It, it it's like it's almost just like like uh, hopeless, which is maybe worse. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I think it is worse. Yeah, <laughs> they're just really small, and I think. Um, 
I, I don't these this is a number that I, I don't fully get when I look at it, but the Warriors defensive rating, even with Draymond Green on the court this year, is one twenty point three. They've been six more than six points worse per hundred possessions defensively when he's out there. And like some of that to me is the bench in general has just been the the best minutes. The the they've won the most minutes when it's the bench playing this year. So that's gonna color a lot of things. But it just doesn't even feel like Draymond had a, a massive impact even in the handful of games that he has played. And if that's not if you're not getting anything close to peak Draymond, even two years ago finals run Draymond, let alone, you know, prime Draymond, Kavon Looney feels like he's just breaking down. Athletically, he's just he can't move, he can't finish, he can't really jump. It's it's just not working with him anymore. Yeah. And if you just don't even have a front court that's that's stopping anybody, that's a problem no matter what. Gary Payton has been hurt, which is a, you know, annual routine at this point for this team to have to deal with. Yep. And it's just like it's Brandon Pajemski, it's Chris Paul, it's Steph Curry. These guys are all 6-1, you know what I mean? It's it's just not going to happen. And and I think you would want Kaminga and Moody but like to do more, but how long are we going to say that? So, yeah, I think it's it's sad because it's the Warriors and we we hold them in such a high regard but it, it's predictable if you look at the roster and how they've played since they won the championship and and Steph is uh it the rest of the roster is not good for Steph good enough for Steph to lift them up anymore uh, I think is the thing but and you can usually my, uh, tell like you could tell a, a team like you could tell it how bad a straights a team is based on the player that the fans want to see more of and like right now Warriors fans like you go on Warriors Twitter and they're like why aren't we playing Trace Jackson Davis more and it's like, dude, that's not the yeah. answer to your problems. But that's like sort of what they've re- resorted to at this point. That's like the stage of grief that they are in is the Trace Jackson Davis stage. Uh, so that's not yeah. great. But to your point on Steph, and and then I guess we could go on to the next team. But like you look at the team, the, the players who are still like top five, six, seven guys. He's the only one playing for just a not contender. Everybody else is playing for legitimate stakes. And he's the only one that's not, which is probably the most disappointing part about this, is that you still got prime Steph here and you're wasting seasons. That's why I picked him. Because I okay. want to see Steph Curry playing in the biggest moments. I want to see Steph Right. I want to see Steph Curry get you compete for more titles. Like we didn't talk about that much because we didn't really need to, but the team I'm high on, really, the Lakers, is LeBron's playing at this insane level. I want to see LeBron get another crack and making a deep run. I don't want Curry hitting chairs and having to worry about Draymond. Like, I want to see Curry being fun Curry, hitting him with the slick. I want to see him cook. I want to see Chef Curry with the pop, boy. Like, let's go. And we're not getting it. We're just not. Nope. Yeah. My, my most disappointing team we probably don't have to spend a ton of time on, but it's really just what could have been versus what is big picture, and it's the San Antonio Spurs. I think that the way that they've handled Vic's rookie year has been overly careful, overly cautious. I've probably watched more Spurs than maybe the two of you, probably most people, because I just think I saw the peak of him and that team in Phoenix on a Tuesday and a Thursday early in the season, probably still some of his best moments. I know he had a great game against against the Heat too, Wes, but... Um, mm-hmm their their refusal to it's like this weird thing of insulating him in certain ways but not supporting him at all in other ways and it feels like 
in any individual decision that they're making, the answer is always development, but not in a context or like a connected, cohesive way. That means like the San Antonio Spurs development. It almost feels like it's like player development to the 110th percent to the point where the team stops making sense. And I know the Trey Jones decisions and how he plays when he plays gets the most attention, but it's also shot selection. It's, you know, defensive lineups. It's rewarding guys who are playing well with continued playing time and, and building from a point of progress. It just feels like every game it's start over, do what's going to make you better. And not selfishly, but just in a very freewheeling kind of way that I think, I'm sure these guys are learning lessons and improving. That's just what happens when you play, but it doesn't feel like it watching. It feels yeah. like a lot of just listless basketball. And, and I think it's not really doing anybody any favors outside of like, you know, Jeremy Sohan got some reps playing point, like congrats, but they, do, they didn't right. work. So where are we? You know what I mean? It's, it's just been a weird year over there. I was okay with the Sohan experiment to start the year. Like, give it a shot. Like, whatever. Maybe he's your point guard of the future. I'm down for weird stuff. But as soon as it was clear that it wasn't the case, Go just go get a real point guard for for when for women Yama and just let him learn how to run pick and roll and be a finisher and stuff. If you're really going to be developing him, I think there's value to that. So I'm with you. My biggest disappointing team, and I'm sorry, Brendan, was Phoenix. Like when I talk, when I think about disappointment, I think about like emotionally, like not even an analytically disappointment. Like I'm not even talking about as an intellectual here. Emotionally, it's the hey. Report, Chris Haynes, Tuesday night, baby, the three of them getting together. Oh, wait, no, Durant's going to sit out. Oh, wait, no, now we're getting all – oh, Devin Booker's going to sit out. Oh, wait, we finally saw them. We got 24, 25 minutes of Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant on the court at the same time. They were like a plus 12 net rating or something. Like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. Bradley Beal, ankle injury, out for another two weeks. So that, to me, is just sort of like the start and stop, like the emotional taking the wind out of my sails thing. That's why they're my most disappointing team is just because – it's been disappointing. This the, the idea of the Phoenix Suns is so intriguing, and we barely have gotten to see it. And as a basketball fan, it sucks. They were my number two the Suns? team. Yeah, they were my number two team. Disappointing because how could it not be? They're tenth in the West right now. Beal has barely played. There's a lot that I like. I still believe in in Booker and Durant and in an insane mm -hmm. degree, and particularly Booker. Mm -hmm. I expect that you just work out at some point because I believe in the talent. I think Frank Vogel is also a great coach. I think they've also just like hit on a lot of the role guys, and I've liked a lot of what the role guys have given them um, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. But the fact that we've barely seen the big three together, the fact that Beal has it. just been... I just want to see it. I just want to feel like I have a good read on them. We're 26 games into the season for them. They have... They're 14 and 12. They're right there in terms of, you know, they're in the plane right now. I would expect them to rise, and it'll be hard for them to rise up. But I just wanted more from them out of the gate. I, I that's that's just the fact of that's just facts of life right here. Because Brad, Brandon, how many games played. do they need to play together for you to feel good about the three, the three, the big three there? I kind of think it's just going to work. I think the real thing about uh, offensively, I think it'll just work. I think the thing with those three specifically that's going to need reps is uh, Beal off the ball. And, yes. you know, it's 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 just a complicated thing to, to run and run through a million screens and get a pass delivered to you on time and work that into obviously the very simple ways that the team can get baskets. When are we going to slow down? When are we going to speed up? When are we going to run something for Brad? When are we just going to go to a KD post up? It's more of that stuff, but that doesn't take a ton of time. I it seems like 49 games is the max they're going to get. 
is already where we are. So uh, maybe the answer has to be 49 and, and I just cross my <laughs> fingers from there. But I think that the biggest, uh, the biggest concern with this team is the defense to me um, because even yeah. in the spurts, we've seen the offense with those guys. And I have a stat for even when Beal hasn't played, the offense has been pretty good and they've really, really cooked at certain moments of the season. Blew out the Wolves, had a couple awesome games against Utah. Um, they, they can score, but the defense is just not where it needs to be. And, and a lot of the trademarks of, of Frank Vogel have not been there. They're allowing teams to parade to the basket. Um, they don't defend in transition very well. They don't really force turnovers. Like they just don't put up resistance. You know, they might have some plays where they execute and they have some bodies, but outside of just being veteran and having like a roster that makes sense, there's not a lot you would point to and be like, the Suns are good at that on defense. And they need to do something. They need to be able to, even if it's like, hey, we we throw a lot of crazy stuff at you. Like we're going to scheme our way into disrupting your offense because we have Vogel and some smart vets who can like do that on a night-to-night possession-to-possession basis. Maybe that's the answer, but we haven't even seen that. Uh, but the thing, last thing I would say on these guys that's somewhat optimistic is the thing that's been lost about Beal missing so much time and the graphic was going around after he got hurt on Friday night last week of they've only played 24 minutes together and and everything else is... After Sunday's game, the second best or like second most preferred five-man unit, which is Booker, Durant, Nurkic, Gordon, and Allen, has only played 101 minutes together because all those guys have also gotten hurt basically except for Nurkic. But that group, when they've played, is has a plus 26 net rating. Like they've just been bonkers. So I think if even those five can like get some minutes together and develop some chemistry, you could see, I mean, this team had like a seven or eight game winning streak at one point this year. So they have the potential, uh, but yeah, it's all going to be about time. And if that defense can come together, I think so. I'm glad we talked about them because it would have been weird to just skip the Suns with the expectations they had and everything else. Yeah. I, I would add two last things. Number one, um, the, the, the comment I would say is I, I think there it's very possible that I think of them in my head just as better than what the record says. Like I looked at the record and their the record and I thought, I feel like in my head they were higher than 10th. I don't know what that means. Well, the standings, it's like everybody's bunched up, you know? Yeah. It's very compressed over there. Brandon, I'll, this is the question I'd ask you as someone who thinks about this team all the time. Would, do they need to get out of like the, this seven through 10 range to Mac? Like, do they need to get into the top six in some way? Are they a team that could survive the plane? Are you asking me if my community will show up as a home court advantage in the playoffs, Chris? Is that what, is that what your question is? Or? I'm, no, I'm really asking if like they have the, if they're the upside of them is enough where they could make like a conference finals finals run if they're in the plane. Well, no team has anybody made it out can of the at plane this point. and gone to the finals. Oh, wait, just kidding. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I'm now at. Now they have, like, and, I think and now they have Jaime Hawkins. I mean, what's the what's the what's the limit of the Miami Heat now? You know, does the regular season even matter? You know, Duncan Robinson. I mean, with how much shoes, it's unbelievable. <laughs> with how much we've seen teams like the the Hornets or like the Hawks or what the, are we talking about the um, Hornets for? Great company. That I'm the getting there. Yeah, I'm getting okay. there. <laughs> or the th- the Thunder last year struggle, even the Wolves with some of these play-in games, young teams that have to, like they've had moments, right? That's like you've arrived, you get your little, you lost by three pat on the back. But if I'm a veteran team, I'm not looking at the, like the Lakers, right? Like I'm not looking at the play-in and being, scared that we can't win two games uh, you know what i mean so no i think if the sun's got the seven seed like 
it would just be kind of another hiccup for them, but that might be where they're headed. So they might need to get their minds around what that's going to be like. Uh, hopefully maybe you host that game and then you can go on the road for uh, game one of the next round. But yeah, they got to get their, their shit together and, and get healthy. But it's another team that's a little hard to measure, I think, which is part of what makes it confusing. All right. Um, should we move on to conference MVP? I believe we can go get for through it. this one somewhat quickly. I'm going to go with Shakeout Alexander. Jokic is, the, I think, the right answer just because he's Nicole Jokic. He's the best player alive. We could not overthink this, but I just, for the same reason that I decided to shout out the Wolves, I want to just say that Shea is having an unbelievable year. Look at expected plus minus at Dunks and Threes. There's only one player in the league higher than him. That's Embiid. Mm-hmm. He's been an absolute monster on both ends of the floor this year. Shea has, he is the driver of everything that works for his team. He's getting into his prime. He is a master at what he does. And he just deserves. He should. If he's he made it, he's probably not going to win the MVP ultimately. But this thing that's going to probably finish top five. You're being I, dismissive probably, of him as you make the case. Why can't he win the MVP, Chris? I mean, I I think I like I was going to put him in there as more like a legit like somebody to make a legitimate argument for. And I was like, oh great, Chris is going to do it. And then you're talking him down. Why can't he win it? I just think we're going to be in a world where we get a situation where it's like. Jokic or someone else just ultimately like wins it, and there's just still so much basketball left to go. But to to stop doing what I was doing, I'll do a little better job selling. This is one of the just the best players we have in the league now. This is a top like five guy. Like he's that good. He's that transcendent. He is building an entire structure around him on his own, and he's the re like. There's what he is. What Halliburton is doing in Indiana is like the closest comp of just like a guard in full control of his team leading, and he's taking it even to a higher degree. So I, I think it's, for me, he's just been, the, the the further breaking out above what he did last year in itself is highly, highly impressive. And here he goes raising his game again, I think on both ends as well, which I think is really impressive. And that team is, is really good. So he, to me, I'm just going to go conference MVP for him as of right now. So I had, to turn in an unoffic- I had to turn in an unofficial ballot, uh, like a top five. And I had Jokic number two. Uh, this is for the league, not just for the Western Conference. I had Jokic number two, and I had SGA number four. I think he does have a real chance to win this thing, especially if the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder make a move before the deadline, keep their winning ways going. Like, there's no reason why we talk about like teams that profile as a contender. The Thunder do right. Like, there's not a whole lot of smoke and mirrors as to what's going on with them. They're just really good. And then you look at Shea, just individually, his stats, his on-off stuff is awesome the the thunder are uh outscoring or they're plus 11.3 uh offensive rating with shea on the court um like like when you're looking at the on off stuff it's like right there with what Jokic has been in the past with where Embiid is right now like he the the thunder are demolishing teams when he's on the court um so he like you know the thunder not only do they profile as a contender but shea profiles like historically as a legitimate MVP kind of guy. And so, yeah, I think he's on the ballot. And I was kind of going to ask you before you started underselling your sales job, Chris, like, like is a legit guy. Like who's like the number one in the West, like, like never going to happen MVP guy where we kind of have to throw him in the conversation. Understand? Is it like De'Aaron Fox? Is that sort of the guy that's like, Hey, he's really good. The Sacramento Kings really good. He's never going to win it, but I just feel like saying his name. Can I, can I, can I give the dick answer? It's Luke as Luca. It is like that. Right. Just, no, like, that's the right answer. That's the right answer. Yeah. Like, yep. I think it's that's who came like to mind for me first. Yeah. Yep. That's going to be it. 
Um, I, had Jokic, here's just, I had Jokic as my conference MVP. Betting odds Me for too. MVP right now, by the way. Uh, Luka plus two. Uh, sorry, Jokic plus 200. Luka and Embiid plus 425. Giannis plus 900. SGA plus 1,000. Let me get that MVP right now. Boy. Mm-hmm. Tatum plus 1,800. Halley plus 2,000. Durant plus 2,500. And then LeBron's like plus 8,000. Trey Young's at plus uh, 12,500. Jaime Jaquez, uh actually minus 100. So good for him. Get those I'll just parlay this into uh, into the wild prediction that we can close the show out with. And mine is that OKC makes the conference finals. And I would like to uh, pump pump my guys in OKC up. I, I think I might be one of the bigger Thunder fans in the world. And I know everybody cares about the Thunder this year, but I like look forward to watching this game. It's like the Suns, a, I'm going to watch every game. Hitter. Such a bad And then it is like... First. Who are the Thunder up against tonight? Like it's it's literally like that as I'm kind of planning things out. But it's me with the Pistons, you know. Yeah, you just a, just a big self harm really at the at this yeah, point. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I. Let me throw this at you guys. I think Shea is becoming Kawhi. Oh, interesting. Shea is just Kawhi Leonard, like 2.0. With the way that his his defense has improved this year, he's everywhere. Like mm-hmm. you you dribble near him, and it's like a 50-50 proposition if the next bounce will happen. He he is about to snatch it up. Um, his instincts are crazy. He he just feels like he has an awareness of maybe playing with the guys he's playing with, having a little more trust that there's backline defense now with with Chet there. I, I'm not sure what it is, but it's it's noticeable. It's not just, oh, his steals per game went up. That's a cool stat. No, it's like he is he is better. He's always had the strength and kind of maneuverability. And then it's really on the offensive end to me. It's like how uh, efficient and like decisive that he is because like if you compare him to somebody like Halliburton or Trey or LaMelo or some of those guys it's like they have control over every possession but Shea doesn't there's a lot of possessions where he doesn't even touch the ball and then for like three or four in a row it's just did he just score eight straight and like dribble four times you know what I mean and it's just that control over over like the the flow of the game where he just picks his spots at such an elite level now. And that feels very Kawhi-ish to me too. Cause I think at Kawhi's peak, it's like everything flows through what yeah. he wants to be happening. He's going to blow up a defensive possession. He's going to pound the ball, get a good shot offensively. And it just feels like a wall you're running up against. And that's what I felt watching Shea this year is I'm just like, when he wants to take over moments, I don't think you're going to take them back from him. And, uh, and so I, I like, I, I take that seriously as like a, in my heart kind of MVP candidate. And then the teams, the teams, like any kind of way you would want to slice up their resume, it's hard to poke a hole in it. So in a wide open West, like give me the thunder in the Western conference finals and those nuggets thunder matchups this year have been awesome. Like I'll take seven of those. I think that could really happen. The Kawhi comp is a great one because in, in my head for the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking playoff Jimmy Butler for Shea's comp, which is basically Kawhi, it's right? It's all the same player yeah. model, right? So um, I love that. And he is more of a wing um, than anything in, in, on that roster. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i there. Uh, you've got OKC in the Western Conference Finals. I said it earlier. I think there's six teams that can legitimately make the Western Conference Finals, and I would not be surprised. Uh, my bold prediction, I got like a couple of bold predictions here. I got like mild, medium, and spicy here. But okay. w- one of like them Taco was... Taco Bell sauce pack at school. Yes, I got the Taco Bell sauce uh, scale here. Sponsor uh, the, the show, Taco Bell. On the mild... Uh, <laughs> um, 
I have Minnesota in the Western Conference Finals, so it's a sort of very, very similar. But we already talked about the Timberwolves enough, so that's why I put them there. Okay, I like that. I, I think that I think that's very possible. I think this is going to be one of those years too, where this could be bracket dependent. Right, which is why I ended like, up with Minnesota, is because if they just continue with the number one seed, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Denver grabs the number two seed from Oklahoma City by the end of the year. And if that's the case, then both of those teams just meet in the Western Conference Finals. But to Brennan's point, it could it, it just as easily be Denver and Oklahoma City for the exact same reason. It just sort of depends, like you said, Chris, how the brackets break out. I would take us from like 66 minutes where we're at to like 96 if I got started on the... Minnesota gave Denver the hardest series it played uh, shit that they keep bringing up and all their fans and followers love to throw out there. That really makes me mad. Uh, but that that was an awesome series, and I think that might be one of the teams I could actually see beating the Nuggets. Whereas the Thunder, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, do they really have an answer seven times or four out of seven for Jokic? I kind of don't think so. So Not Minnesota yet. feels very ready for the postseason. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Yeah. What do you got as your you crazy would- one, Chris? Well, no, not what Wes. If that was your mild one, what was your hot one? one? What was your spicy? One? Yeah, Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I want the. Uh, the all right, what did we have here? Um, do you have like a da bomb one? Like, can we hot ones this? We're like, yeah, oh, we could go da bomb if we want. I wasn't gonna use it. I wasn't gonna use it because I feel bad for saying it. But we're late enough in the podcast now that I feel like I, I could go yeah, for let's it. Let's go. Um, all right, let me give you the the hot, and then we'll go to da bomb. My hot one is that the yeah. Warriors trade Chris Paul. And a pick oh! to Atlanta for Clint Capella and Patty Mills to make the money work. That's the, the Chris, poor Chris Paul, you know, just really just you, like Chris. Well, you didn't even hear the full trade before you, you, you were just, so you on, on top of you were so ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Chris Paul to Atlanta. Like, Atlanta is a deeply unserious organization. And yeah, they can yeah. use a very serious player in Chris Paul to just walk in and be like, "What's going on here? Let me fix all of this." Uh, can, can I? Can I? Be, how much? How much would you pay to go to the live taping of Chris Paul and Trey Young's podcast when they inevitably get into an argument? I forgot Trey Young had a podcast. Um, yeah, so, so did uh, and also the Atlanta <laughs> Golden State front offices. Yeah. Yeah, a little mix and mingle True. in there. There's a right? connection. The Atlanta front, the yeah. Atlanta front office is basically all old Warriors people. So yeah. uh, maybe there's a connection there. They, and then uh, and then the Warriors get Clint Capella, which would solve a lot of problems for them that we already talked about. All right, the bomb. This will be Steve Kerr's last season coaching the Warriors. That's it. So it feels like it's so, headed there, man. I agree with you. Yeah, I you, you don't need I've, this. He's got enough money. No, he's got he's enough sh- rings. He don't need any of this stuff. That guy is so talented as a broadcaster that he could just be like, I could go do, I could go follow in Bob Myers' footsteps, who was basically following in my footsteps before I left the front office job and went to a, a, a major broadcasting partner of the NBA. He left the front office job, went to a major broadcasting partner of the NBA. I could go do it. And the best part about it is this new media rights deal will create a bidding war for one Steve Kerr. He's probably going to make more money yeah. than he's making right now as the Golden State Warriors head coach, whether he's doing it for Netflix, Apple TV. Heck, that dude could probably just do half a dozen games when they sell the in-season tournament to Netflix or whoever it is. And he's like, hey, I'm just the Netflix color. I'm, I'm the in-season tournament color guy. I work for a month out of the year and then I'm done. Like that, he's going to have so many options because the other part about it is him and Doc Rivers, probably the best at doing that job as the yeah. color analyst. Uh, and I don't know that it's even close. And so ESPN already has Doc Rivers. Again, NBC, Apple, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Do you know Apple. how much money Kirk Herbstreet makes for Amazon? That's his second job. Know. Please don't tell me. $10 million. All right, so I feel poor. That's cool. That's he cool. does many- one game a week, and it's not and even not his even main well. gig. 
He doesn't even do yeah, a good exactly. job. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Like, the timing works perfectly. Coach the Warriors this year. Take a year off while the meteorite stuff gets settled. The next season, 2025-26, is when the new deal will start. Call one or two games a month for whatever for Amazon. Make go, go back to equivalent your or more than what you're making in Golden State. Exactly. Yeah. Live in San Diego. Call a couple Lakers and Clippers games throughout the month and just uh, prosper. Yeah, there's no reason for Steve Kerr to deal with more Draymond suspensions and uh, a new GM trying to get his feet wet and a bossy owner and all that stuff. Like he's been doing it for too long. He's got all the rings he needs. Here, here's my here's my Steve Kerr pitch. My my wild prediction, based on what we've seen so far, is that the Warriors don't make the actual playoffs. So I think I, that goes if they don't yep. make the playoffs, like just you exit gracefully and, and everyone kind of moves on and we see what the reshuffle is. Here's here's the best deal Steve Kerr could get for himself. Okay, he's a big he's a noted large Liverpool fan. Take a <laughs> he's gonna year go off. coach Liverpool. No 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 no. Hang oh, out Ted at Lasso, Liverpool season four. <laughs> Maybe no. you could go coach New England Patriots. Well, there you go. Oof, oof. I, I don't think he can save that franchise. Um, I don't think anyone can save that quarterback situation. But That's right. He go Dolphins, baby. Go thins up, baby. He goes to England, just hangs out for a year, and oh, you know who also might be involved in the NBA rights? NBC. Yep. Steve Steve Kerr gets like all of his travel comfort to go to like England whenever he wants, and also does like um, two games a month on Peacock. <laughs> just does soccer games. No, like an NBA game on Peacock, and then he oh, just also okay. gets all of his travel, and then he, but he just gets like show up on the studio show every time he feels like it. He's oh, like, yeah. oh, hey, we have Steve. Like Steve Nash was doing like Champions League mm-hmm. stuff for Turner for a little bit. Yeah, before you're a big fan of corporate synergy, Chris. That's what you're saying. I you am. like that yeah, they can pop different guys up on the studio show. You're a big fan of when that stuff, that overlap Let's happens. Get, yeah, yeah, I bet you tune some, in. Give me, I, I look. It's Steve Kerr. I would probably not tune in, but if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm milking this for all I can. Give me the free dinners. Give me yep. the free trips. Comp me some tickets. Like, like, why not? Like, what do you have to do? And on into Wes's point, he doesn't need this anymore. This right. man has has gone through. Has he played with Michael Jordan in the '90s, which I'm sure took some years off his life. He has his own personal backstory, which is obviously a lot. Yes. And then he's been coaching Draymond Green this year. You're and telling the team me the USA stuff, by the way. Which yeah. they, I, was it announced that that was this is going to be his final year doing it, or is yeah. that just the rumor? Um, you can always go and back on that if you still have the coaching yeah. itch. You could just be like, eh, I'll just I'll stick as the Team USA guy. I'll coach every two years, and that's what I'll do. If you really wanted to do it, he could do it. And then or in not, like a year, I, or even even in a year, if he wanted to, you're telling me that I don't know if he would do this. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would kind of like go about it this way, but like. If an if another big organization was like, hey, we need a big hire as a head coach, we need to bring someone in. You're t- like, he could take it off for again in a year from some other team if he really wanted. I mean, to eventually the Lakers years. and the Clippers will get new coaches because that's just what happens. And so, and that's nothing against Darvin Ham or you know Ty Lue, but like, yeah, that could always be an option. Maybe when LeBron James owns a team in Las Vegas, he could convince Steve Exa- to come yeah. out of retirement. Or you know what? I was just bringing up team. You go, you win gold with Team USA. That's your final chapter. As a head coach, you go out with the gold medal, you take the big fat deal from NBC or whoever, and and then you just live an awesome life. And that's what you do. And by the way, you can hand the keys to your kids, right? His kids are in the coaching stuff now. Like you could just be there for them. It's like a whole thing. I don't know. That's what I have. I think uh, my one of my first predictions when we started doing this show, Chris, was that Kerr would become the, the president you of did. basketball operations there. Pull a uh, pull a Danny Ainge and just or a Brad Stevens rather and just elevate himself basically right. just sort of quit one thing and just 
get to do the other thing that he wanted to do more because he has so much sway in the organization and it the that could Steve happen but Brad i think Stevens is that steve kerr was actually a good head coach with a proven track record of winning where brad stevens was an overrated head coach that never actually won anything and really could just couldn't even handle the job the Shots and fired. like 20 years of age where uh kerr probably would just prefer retirement over like running a front office right. so I, the more i think yeah. about that i'm like okay or just not working like that or calling steve games those, those are a little easier office. He also yeah. ran a front office in Phoenix and absolutely hated it. And yeah. also kind of ruined the seven seconds or less era. So I'm not sure if that's like the best uh, like career it. move for him. Yeah, yeah. He didn't yeah. like doing that well, job. The, the other thing, too, is if you just read a bunch about this Warriors organization, it just mm-hmm. feels like the Mike Dunleavy era means that something has changed there. And it is not exactly the same organization that Steve Kerr shepherded to this point something has changed there i don't think we can quantify exactly what it is but it doesn't feel like the same thing that it was even a year or two years ago when they won the title like it's a different era now and i don't know if steve kerr like i'm sure steve kerr feels a sense of extreme loyalty to like steph curry but does he feel it to the rest of the organization at this point it it feels like probably not to me and to some degree for the record i don't think that steve kerr retires but um after this year like that was a spicy hot take and i don't I don't want this to get to like I my old Warriors friends. Aggr- Aggr- aggregators, West Goldberg. Like, yeah, we have those. <laughs> no, I just I don't. I, the stuff still gets back to the people that followed me on the Warriors stuff. I and I don't I don't want that to happen. But yeah, that's, uh, that's it was a, it was a spicy take that could actually happen, and maybe I kind of believe it. But I don't. Believe yeah, it. I maybe a little bit. I I, I honestly I kind of do. Okay. We're, every every year we get one team that like sucks more than you'd expect. Okay. And you get at the end of the season, you get a trade, you get a coach, you get something that leaves and exits that you don't expect. That happens every year. Maybe this year it's it's the Warriors are, are the answer to both questions to, to some degree. That's Can I give very you guys plausible your question. Are we are we yeah. done with categories? And I'm sorry if we're running long. Yeah, yeah. You say no. No. Uh, you get to swap one team from the West and the East. Just trade places. Well, two teams, I guess. One from the West to the East, East to the West. What are you doing? Just for fun, for fun skis' sake. This is like when the Astros moved to the AL. This is like is that, that kind baseball? of situation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's baseball. I know the, <laughs> the city you live in has not given you much of a reason to uh, to care about. Hey, that sport, 2003 but. champs, baby. Let's go. Yeah, don't get don't get. We'll be here another hour if I, if I have to pick a fight with with Wes about the Marlins and and the the, the 90s Indians. Legit, and, baby. Know, we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to fight. First one. My my answer is just is I want to put the wolves in the east. This this guy pulling out the the Florida Marlins hat, unbelievable! I want the Wolves in the East, and I'm moving. Uh, I don't know who I'm moving west because I don't really have as much of a fun answer. But I think Wolves in the East. You add another team mm. in that mix. I, I I would go there. I'm trying to think stylistically because I kind of associate the East with a little bit more kind of that physical, you know, hearkening back to the 90s, maybe a little bit style. Maybe that's just my own brain doing that with the Bulls and the Knicks and and everybody. But it feels to me like the way the Rockets are currently playing feels a little East to me. And they're close so enough you just added geographically. added a playing team into the Eastern Conference? That's not fun. Yeah. Is that this year, or are we doing permanently? Like that, I guess I, I guess I need that this that guidance. Only. But okay, well, I'm still doing it. Um, right. And then West, I'll, I'll put the Bulls in the West. <laughs> I feel like uh, 
it's sure it's agree. far enough west and you know add some they they need a shakeup. They need something to play for. Maybe that maybe since they won't reset themselves, the league can give them a favor and say, "Hey, you're in the Western Conference now, so do with that branding what you will." And hopefully that jump starts you guys. Maybe gets you a little pocket change. We'll see. They're trying a a, a, a ring of honor and bringing all these guys who hate each other into the building together as a as a, a fix for what ails them. So you know maybe take a step behind that and we'll do. You're in the West now. There you go. Rockets oh, for Bulls trade. There. Yeah. All right. That's fun. I don't have an answer. I just asked you no. guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm, for that, I'm putting. I'm, I'm putting the Heat in the West, and I'm gonna move uh, again. I'm. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna put the Heat in the West. And I'm gonna move the Blazers to the East, so the East gets one worst team to to, to pick up. And you're just joke completely coming. screwing all of the travel. That's like yep, 100%. you're just polluting the planet with burned oil to the max with that with that pick, Chris. But I like uh, it. yeah. Well, the Blazers are young; they can handle it. Yeah, uh, maybe Grizzlies. Put the Grizzlies in the East. I have mixed geographic sense, I guess. All right, we're going to end there, though. I'm Chris Manning. That's Brinkley. And thanks again to Wes Goldberg for coming through on this episode of the Just Basketball Show. Back later this week, we're going to talk the return of John Morant because he is, in fact, back. whole lot going on there and other NBA topics of the day come this Thursday. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Enjoy the hoops. 